It says, the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. You see, we need to understand the times we're living in. We need to have that, I won't call it almost that spirit of Issachar, but we have an understanding of where we go. And because of the seasons, and just like there are signs in the heavens, just like those geese this morning, there are signs in the heavens the way God created heaven and earth uh, with the cycles of the sun and the moon. There's seasons. God has said, he said he set the sun and the moon so we would know the seasons and the times. And there's things, so, we, so I believe the Lord is really saying today, I want us to, um, to discern because it's very going to be very important as we finish this year and we step into a new year. You need to have a discernment of the time we're living in. And I know that many of you uh, understand that, but I believe it's, it's going to be very critical uh, we're seeing so many things in the earth that are taking place. And um, so I want to really start with Psalm 23 this morning because the first of last year, probably about this time last year, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, Psalm 23 is going to be very key for the year 23. And I heard several other prophetic voices that began to voice the same thing. And so as we're ending the year of 23, we carry, it's not like 23 ends, but we carry that into the next stage. It's like everything builds. You know, it's like any of you know anything about building a house. You lay a foundation and you begin to build on it. So everything is building in time. You know, God is not in time like we are. He sets time for us, but God is beyond time. Because it says one day to him is as a thousand years or a thousand years is a day. He doesn't live in time like we do, but he sets us in a time. And so I really felt like the Lord was saying, reflect a little bit on Psalm 23 for this year. And, you know, it's an interesting um, word when you look at Psalm for anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, that word uh, shepherd in the Hebrew, is the Lord is my shepherd, it's Yahweh Roe. That's the name of God. So it's expressed in this psalm. And then the very next thing where he says, I shall not want. I won't lack for anything. I'll have everything I need. That's an expression of the name of God, of Yahweh Jireh. It's really when you stop to look at the psalm and as you go through, there's names of God that are expressed. They're maybe not said, but it's the character of God and who his, his name is. So I know that, I don't know, maybe some of you have had struggles this past year. I mean, I'm sure all of us have in some ways, different manifest in different places. But God is always faithful. He is always the shepherd. He's always the one who says, I'll take care of what, you, you know, you trust me. I'll make get you through. There won't be any lack or anything of of less, I'll take care of it. Then if you go to the next verses where it says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. Well, there, that's a picture of Yahweh Shalom, the name of God. Because Shalom is a place of rest. Shalom is a place of, of rest. And the, the, the Hebrew word that is Shalom means it is so encompassing. It's health, it's prosperity, it's safety, 
It's uh, everything that you need of rest. It's provision. So even there where he says he makes us lie down in green pastures and beside still waters. And as we're entering from 23 to 24, I think sometimes we're going to need to remember that. There's going to be some times in turmoils or different things we need to stop and say, Lord, I need to be by some still waters. You know, sometimes I know Callie's probably taking some time of being by some still waters right now. She's not able to, to move. Now, I'm sure at the house it stays pretty busy. But, you know, she's having to have some times to reflect besides some still waters that maybe in any other time in her life she wouldn't because of just uh, having to rest and not be on her feet as much. And then I want to go to the, to the next verse where it says, He restores my soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There again, where it's restoring a soul, it's a place of healing. God, there's another name of God. And the reason I'm telling you about these names is in Scripture it says, think on his name, declare his name, praise his name. I mean, it's constantly pray through to his name. There's always a thing of the names of God because it is his character and so I want you to reflect sometimes. It gives us a different... We, many of us in here, I'm sure, have read Psalm 23 all of our lives. But I wanted, I wanted to bring you... Re, begin to reflect sometimes. God is showing us those things where we've read through. Look, here's the names of God. He is the one who restores my soul. That is Yahweh Rapha. That is Yahweh Rapha, the healer. That is his name. That is, is declared in Scripture. There's other places when he told when they came out of, uh, out of Egypt. He revealed himself as Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals. He said, if you'll do what I say to do, I won't put any of those diseases on you that were in Egypt. He said, I am Rapha, Yahweh Rapha. I am your healer. So today, again, as we've taken communion this morning and thought about it, he is our healer. If there's something you need today, if you need some healing in your body, Lord, we thank you that you are able and you are here and present. You are Yahweh Rapha. Then if you, we go to the next, well, and it talks about leading some paths of righteousness. That's another name of God in the Bible. He says, his name is Yahweh Righteousness. It's Yahweh Tiskanu. I may not be saying that right in the Hebrew, but that's another name of God. So again, there's an expression of the character and attributes of God. And when we read through Psalm 23 that I don't think I had ever really looked at till this year. So just, again, I felt like the Lord is saying, we're finishing up 23. We're at a, we're at a door of transition. And it's like we need to reflect where we've been, and we carry that into the new. And we've got some new things coming. And then where it goes on and says he directs our paths to the paths of righteousness. And then the next verse where it says, we walk through the valley. Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, you know what? There's another name of God. Yahweh Shema. He says, I am there. I am here. It means he is present. No matter what we walk through, he is present. He never leaves us or forsakes us. So there's another name of God that is expressed there. And then with his rod and his staff that comfort us, there's that, that particular thing in Corinthians says he's the God of all comfort. 
There's another expression of the attribute in the place of God. So as, and then we will, um, I wanted to get down to the table. He spreads a table before us in the presence of our enemies. That's another picture of God being Yahweh Nisi, also being the Lord of hosts, the commander of the armies of heaven. He is present. The place where he anoints our head with oil and our cup runs over. You know, we always need to be anointed with fresh oil. We need that all the time. I don't know if any of you have ever read the book, Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. Probably Miss Betty has. I know we, we had it for years. But it's an amazing book. He was a shepherd, and he talks about, he goes through Psalm 23, and he talks about all of these different aspects from, the, from being a shepherd and working with sheep. And it's an amazing book if you have the opportunity to get it or get it online or just get an ebook because it gives you quite a picture of God working in your life. But the point I really like about also anointing our head with oil, I liked how he said about the sheep. He said, there's certain times of the year that the sheep start butting heads, you know, that mating season, or they get mad and they're hitting. He says, so the shepherd takes an oil and a kind of a grease, and he spreads it over their heads. So when they bump together, they just slide off each other and they don't hurt anybody. So, you know, when you're kind of having some agitations in your house or agitations at work or somewhere else, you might need to ask the Lord, Lord, just pour some fresh oil over my head. So that, all of that will just smooth out, you know. And there's, a, and there's another thing about being smeared over with the oil and the grease is that certain times of the year, pestilence would attack the sheep and get in their ears and their nose. And it drives them crazy, sort of. And they almost like will run off cliffs. They'll run off. They'll hurt themselves. But with the grease and all of that smeared over their heads, it protects them from the agitations and the irritations that are around them. So again, when you've got a lot of agitations and irritations, you might need to say, Lord, I need some fresh oil poured over my head today. Holy Spirit, come and pour some oil over me. <laughs> so... Um, and then as we look at that, as we go to the next verse, um, I'm trying to, I'm used to not probably following the monitors, but surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. So, I, you know, I love worship. I love to be able to worship the Lord, and I really appreciate Callie and Christy and the worship team. Because, you know, I don't know if you ever stop to think about it, but... When you worship, whatever you worship, you build an altar. And when you build an altar to the Lord and worship, there's a heavens that open up. And so it depends on what you worship. And when Abraham went throughout the land of Israel, he built the altars everywhere. When he would something significant would happen, he would build an altar of worship. And a place of an altar of worship creates an open heaven. It creates a portal. And, you know, through the, and I don't know if you understand, but it's like sometimes we look at doors. Doors are portals. They're openings. But there is heavenly. In Malachi, it talks about the windows of heaven being opened. When you talk about um, when Jacob encountered in the book of Genesis where he was traveling and he lay down at night and he lay down and he didn't know it, but he lay down in Bethel which was a place that Abraham had built an altar of worship. It was the house of God. 
And he didn't even know his grandfather. He really had laid there, but he laid down and he took a stone and he laid his head on it that night. Well, you know what? I believe that stone was part of that altar that Abraham had built. And he laid his head on that stone and during the night he encountered the God of Abraham because he knew about him, but he really wasn't walking with him. And so he had an encounter that night and in that night he saw the heavens opened he saw a ladder. He saw angels coming up and down a ladder. And it was interesting because he said, this is the gate of heaven. Well, you know what? why there was a gate of heaven? It was because there was an altar of worship. Because it was built as an altar of worship. And I want to encourage you, even the young people, you know, what we worship, what we entertain, you build an altar of some sort. And if you're worshiping and building whatever you're doing in your life, your life can be an altar to the Lord and you're surrendering to him. But if you're building some other altar, there's, there's a place, what we call second heaven, where the enemy, we have a very real enemy and scripture will tell you that, that you know we, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but there's principalities and there's powers and there's rulers of darkness. And if you build the wrong kind of altar, you're tapping into a different place in the spiritual realm and so you're allowing an open door of the demonic, of the evil to come in. You know, it was interesting. Um, recently, my granddaughter was here with me today. She was, we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago because they were studying about, in school, about terrorism and talking about what happened in Germany many years ago. And, and I said, well, you know, those people, they open the door uh, in their lives because they're not following the Lord and they open their doors and really the demonic comes into their lives and they, they do such evil things because they've given themselves over to evil. And we were talking about that so we get to the house and so she says, well, Mimi, how does a person get a demon? And I thought, well, that's quite a conversation for a 12-year-old to ask you, how does a person get a demon? But see, the reality is, for all of us, and young people alike, we have to realize what we open the door to gives that opportunity. And I kind of explained that to her like a house that we live in, and if there's something evil standing at the door and I go open that house and I invite them in, then that, that thing has the, has the right to the house. And I said, so our bodies are a house. So when we're disobedient to the Lord or we're engaging in things contrary to what is good for us, we open the door of our house. So there's a kind of a little thing on deliverance and demonic today. But it's important for us to understand because we make choices. And I believe in this coming year, the choices are going to be, it's going to be much harder. So I'm just kind of sharing that because what altar do you build? What place, what are you opening in the heavens in your house, in your own life, because God wants us to have that him, that portal where he's coming in and out on us all the time, that we become a portal so he can come into the earth realm and minister to people. And, you know, I really believe, you know, we've uh, been hearing a lot of prophetic words uh, about the angelic realm. And I'm grateful. God says we still have angels that are very active. You know, we read the Bible and we kind of think, oh, that happened to Joseph, that happened to that person, that happened to this person. But I'm telling you, 
God releases the angelic on behalf of his people. And even in Israel, that's been one of the things I've really prayed for the Lord's angelic host to protect them and secure their borders. But we've got to understand, and I think, you know, become very perceptive of the spiritual realm because of what we're stepping into from 23 to 24. But I wanted to share that even as Callie was worshiping today, as we were worshiping with his goodness following after us, look, here we go, see... See, that the worship team seeks the Lord, just like pastors, of what God wants to say today. And it sets, it sets a pattern. It's like a dovetail puzzle piece. God fits it in. Worship fits that in. When they're hearing from the Lord, there's that that goes before, and it, 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 it's just part of what I'm sharing. It's part of what God's wanting to do today. But I love that the goodness of the Lord following us. And, you know, where we were in, it will run after us. And I had this in my notes, Callie, about it running after us. Because in the Hebrew, right there in Psalm 23, goodness and mercy shall follow me. In the Hebrew, that word follow me, is, uh, it means to run after, to track down like someone hunting for prey. It means to pursue and take captive. So what that's saying is God is pursuing us. He's running after us, like that worship song says. He is pursuing and wanting to take us captive. And so, again, there again, it's an amazing place when you stop to think of what that means. And so I want to encourage you, look for the signs of the Lord. Know that he has been running and pursuing after you, and that his goodness and mercy follows us. You know, also in Psalm 65, verse 11, and I didn't give this verse to him, but it says, he crowns the year with goodness. That means he surrounds the year. Can you imagine we're at the end of a 23, and he's saying, I'm crowning the year with my goodness. He, he is good. He is faithful. We worshiped with that today. He has crowned the year. And he says, that is his, all your paths, as she drip with abundance. But I'm excited that the Lord just said today to tell you he's crowning the year, 23, with his goodness today. And, and I want to transition into 24, and I want to go to Psalm 24. One of the things about the Hebraic um, calendar is that they use uh, Hebraic numbers, and Hebraic Letters and numbers have pictures and they have meaning. And so the Hebraic calendar for the year is 5784. You see, years ago, the Romans and the Gregorian and different ones, they changed the calendar. God never changes his calendar. God is always on his calendar, his time. But there, because of the Hebraic that God's released to the Jewish people and the Hebraic understanding, is they still, they still walk with that calendar, 5784, and there's meanings in it. But again, it's interesting, it's a four. Because the Hebraic number four means door. It means gate. So the actual Hebraic year started a few months ago but it's interesting, it coincides that we're going into 24, which is a 4. And so there is a picture of what I wanted to anticipate knowing the times and seasons, that the Lord's saying there's some doors and gates this year. You need to be attentive 
to doors and gates. There's some new opportunities, there's some new things, but there's also maybe some doors and gates that need to close. But you know, when you're looking at a picture of a door, you're about to go through a door, there's a threshold. It's a narrow place. A door has a narrow place at the threshold. You pass from one place into the next, so you go through a narrowing to step into the new. But it's a place of transition. So we're at a place of transition today and in, a, in the time of what we, where we are. And so I just felt like the Lord was saying you need to be aware uh, of the time and seasons and you need to be aware of what we're walking into. And, I, and again, it's interesting. I, I said, Lord, I don't want to get into a rote uh, thing here, but he said Psalm 24 is going to be key for 24. I don't always do this, but I felt like he did 23 and I felt like he was saying it again. So that's why I wanted us to look at Psalm 24 today, where it says, The earth is the Lord's and its fullness, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. You know, that verse talks about he owns everything. He is the owner. He created it. He owns it. So you know what? My car sitting out in the drive out in the parking lot, that's really his car. It's not mine. That the house I live in is really his, not mine. The Mississippi River is his, <laughs> not whoever thinks that they control it up and down with locks and downs. It belongs to the Lord. And I believe that the Lord is saying also for this year that as we acknowledge him as the owner and the creator of everything that we have, that he will make provision, he will take care of us, but he also challenges us to be a steward. You know, Scripture talks about stewardship. And many years ago, um, when I was in South Africa, I talked about this because particularly people just trash the roads. Well, you, they kind of trash them around here too. You know, but, but you know what? I felt this would rise up in me. I thought, Lord, we're just trashing your creation. That's your land. I mean, there's a place of stewardship even in little things. You know, one time I was, when I was living down on the coast of Mississippi, and I'd go walk at the beach quite a bit. I lived in Ocean Springs, and there was a nice little beach, and I loved to go walk. And there was just, people would just come out there with their families, and they would just walk away, leave all their cans and their trash. And I just would get so upset, <laughs> upset and I, I would be fussing. And finally, one day, the Lord said, well, what are you going to do about it? And so, you know, I had to start carrying a trash bag when I went. And I didn't have to clean up the whole beach, but every time he would just say, pick up some of it and throw it in the trash can because I wanted to honor him. Everything we have, everything around us belongs to him. And so I want to challenge you in this year. He's looking for faithful stewards of everything he puts in your hand. If, you know, if he's given you a gift, you know, for schooling or for what, or, or whatever the gift is for business or entrepreneurship, you know, the medical field, helping people, what, cooking, hospitality. Be a good steward. The Lord is just, just challenging us. I believe it's going to be real key because in doing being a good steward, we're going to demonstrate who he is in our life. And... Uh, as we go on through Psalm 24, um, 
we'll look at that he's founded upon the seas and the waters. But I want to go on to the next particular verse, verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? You know, I just was talking a while ago about portals, a place of coming up. Well, you know what? This is, this is a, that word ascend means it's called up. It's the word that they get when the Jewish people leave a nation and they go back to Israel. It's called they made aliyah. They came up. They came home. When Moses was going up the mountain in Exodus 19 to hear from the Lord, the Lord said he called him up. It was aliyah, come up. He had an opportunity to come up. Well, I really believe this is the year the Lord is saying, I've got some invitations for you. You need to be expectant of some encounters. He said, I've got some places I want to call you up to. You know, and when you're thinking about coming up the hill, coming up, it's there again, it's an open door. It's a portal. We're talking about doors. If you go to Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, John says, I saw a door in heaven, and the voice says, come up here. I believe that we're going to have some encounters where the Lord is giving us opportunities for some divine encounters with him to come up. But let's go to the next verse, verse 4. Who can come up to this hill? Who can ascend into the holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart and has not lifted up his soul in an idol nor sworn deceitfully. You know, we just had communion a while ago. We can't go up without the blood of Jesus. We cannot go up without his righteousness. We cannot encounter him in that intimate place without knowing the power of the blood of Jesus and what he's done for us. But there's also some things, that's the way we have into the righteousness, but he still asks us, examine your hearts. Look at your hands. What are you putting your hands to? What, what are you worshiping? Lift it up. We don't think about idols, but it's what are you worshiping? What is the priority? You know, when I was a very young Christian, I heard an amazing Bible teacher from New Zealand, and she talked all weekend. It was at a women's retreat, and she talked all weekend on the fear of the Lord. And she said, you know, what is an, what is an idol? What is a place of worship? And she said, anything, I'll never forget this. I mean, it was... 40-something years ago, she said, an idol is anything or anyone who has a priority place in your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, wow, well, yeah, what can you say? It makes us stop and think, what is a priority? It's the Lord the first priority. So when we're looking at this, I believe even as you're talking about having a 21 days of fasting, and prayer. I think these are things we, we, we lay down before the Lord and say, Lord, is there things in me, uh, you know, that, I, that I'm having a priority place? Work in the clean heart. Work in the pure heart. Because, see, he's wanting us to come up into a place with him that I don't think, I mean, he's always available, but we've got some special encounters. And this other part where it says, or haven't sworn deceitfully, you know, again, what, do we, what comes out of our mouth? What do we agree with? Did we intentionally do something or did we just 
want to deceive someone. Again, it's, it's going to be a testing in our lives, I believe, this year for all of us. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I've got those things. I've had working through this this last week. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you help me here. You know, thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus. You know, because we're going to need those places, I really believe, in this next year, in this place of opening doors and gates. And uh, we go on to the next verse. Verse 5, where it says that he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And then on to the next verse. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. It's going to be very key to seek his face in some situations. We have to do that all the time. But he's serious about coming up and seeking his face. Take these 21 days that we're talking about and begin to seriously seek the face of the Lord. But, you know, in seeking him, we have to, to realize I've got some things in my life that, um, that need to shift. But, you know, we're not just talking about, we're talking about an intimacy. We're talking about expectant, when you spend, sit down with him, expectant that he will meet with you. You know, the Lord had to just speak, speak to me the other day. He said, sometimes you get a little callous or you just kind of mundane and you says when you start to sit down and he said are you expecting me to come show up or I mean I'm here but are you expecting me to show up when you sit down to talk to me you know and the thing about it is he speaks to me when I love to go out and walk I haven't been doing much of it since the weather's a little colder but he meets me out there when I walk. Where are the places that he meets you? Sometimes I hear, I've heard such profound things when I'm sweeping the floor sometimes. You know, he's there all the time. But are you expecting him to show up? And I really believe with the doors and gates, this prophetic picture of the year, he says, I want to show up in some places unexpectedly in your life. The other thing I really wanted to share is looking at 24, um, well, let me, we'll go on to the next verse where it says, see, here's, here's doors and gates right here. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Okay, so this is addressing, if you know anything about the old times where they had the walls around the city, they had these big, huge gates and doors for protection, and a lot of times they rolled those gates up there were things that they had to lift up those gates. They were protection. Well, also when kings came, they would speak to them and say, lift up those gates because here comes the king. The king's coming through the gate. And so there again, this is a picture of, of that. But here's what I want to challenge you with is we have doors and gates. He says, are you going to lift up your head? Are you going to open up the door and let me, the king of glory, come in? We have that as a, as a challenge to us. But we also have doors and gates in our territories. We have ancient doors and gates. I did a lot of, I'll use the word, spiritual mapping. That was one of the things the Lord got me into was strategic prayer in many of the nations as well as this nation where I traveled. But it was studying some of the, the history because you see here in Natchez, it's a, there's a gate. The Mississippi River is an ancient gate. You have things in territories and land that affect you. It's not, you can find that in the Bible. He talks about if the land is defiled, sometimes the people are, are sick on it. 
You know, it, you know, if you're drinking contaminated water, it'll make you sick. So it's the same thing. There's spiritual principles about where we live in our territory. So there's doors and gates even in this territory that God says he wants to come in. Many times I go down to the Mississippi River and up on the bluff and take my shofar, my Jewish trumpet, and I stand up there and I speak over that and I, over that and I said, I said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up this ancient door here on this river for the king of glory is coming in this gate. So you can do that in your cities. You can do it in your neighborhoods. You can, you know, I've been to Washington, D.C. many, many times stand up there in front of the Supreme Court and everywhere else. Sometimes it doesn't look like those prayers are being answered, but you know what? I was obedient to the Lord. And when you say, you declare, the King of Glory is coming in this gate here at Natchez. This King of Glory is coming down this Mississippi River. Begin to declare him as the King of Glory. King, glory there is one of the words for kabod. It's a heaviness. It's a splendor. It's the awesomeness of who he is. Declare that to come into your neighborhood. Declare it to come into your house. Open the door to your house. Say, King of glory, I'm opening the door. Come into this house. Let's go to the next verse. <laughs> verse 8. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. You know what? Just be prepared. You've seen some wars going on in the earth and the natural. Well, be prepared. We have more coming. It's not going to go away, but you know what? We have a God who is mighty. That thing of God mighty in battle, that's, that's, he is El Gabor. That's another name of God, El Gabor. It talks about that in Isaiah 9 where it says, uh, what's his name? Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Mighty God is in the Hebrew El Gabor. He is a mighty God. He is a warrior. And so we don't, we shouldn't be afraid of war, but you know what? For the kingdom of God to advance, there's a spiritual war that goes on. If we're going to see people pulled out of darkness, you're in war. When you come to the Lord, guess what? You're in the army. You don't have an option. When you give your life to the Lord, you are, you are in the army. You're in, you're in the battle. But you know what? He's the, he's the head overall. Go to the next verse. So in verse 9, it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And then the next verse, please. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Think about that. Selah means just stop a minute and think about it. He is the Lord of hosts. That's another name of the Lord. Yahweh Sabaoth. He is the commander of the armies of heaven and earth. So when you're in a battle, no, he, you've got a commander with you. And do you know what? He's the commander of all the angelic. He's the commander of the armies of heaven and in, of earth. Because if we're his, he's our commander in the earth realm. So he is the commander so I really, of heaven and earth. So be prepared in this season. For to, and the gates and the doors, but speak to those things and invite him as the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord mighty in battle, the one with his angelic host to help you, so to come in through gates and doors. But I wanted, there again, the Lord just says, this is, we're going to see some things like this in the natural, and, and I'm not saying this to, for you to be afraid, but the reality is 
we need to know who he is and call, be able to call on the, that name of who he is in our lives and in every situation. One of the things that I began to look at with 24 also is I just, I'll challenge you to do this. I went, started looking at chapters in the Bible that are 24. And uh, it's quite interesting because if you do that, uh, you'll find some interesting things in there. But one particularly was Matthew 24. Well, Matthew 24 is a pretty serious chapter because it's talking about the earth reeling and rocking. It's talking about nations fighting against each other. We look at it as an end-time thing of him coming back, but it truly is. But there are several things that jumped out in me that he said, be aware there's going to be great deception. We have to have the discernment of the Holy Spirit. If you even listen to media, news media, you better have discernment to what you're listening to. There is so much lies and deception. Jesus said in Matthew 24, many are going to come say, I'm he, I'm the one that's coming. We have to walk with discernment in a time in these, in these days that we, I believe, greater. I just continually cry out, Lord, give me more discernment. Let me discern what is being said. Let me know what is truth. We have to know that. And we have to know who, you know, who we're following, making sure God gave us this word. Everything that we're hearing, it, if it doesn't line up with this, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not going there. So there again, it's so key as we, you read through the Bible, as you spend time, with, we're talking about reading through the Bible, because this is the standard, and if something's not lining up with here, then something's wrong. Because even, I want to just challenge you, as we're looking at leaders for our nation, leaders uh, over the nations, as we're praying over that, and, and local leaders, it's important. We need discernment. We need to be able to hear, because, you know, David was a king. He was in government. But God had requirements for him because whatever he did affected a whole nation. So who we have as leaders in a nation or in a city, it affects us. It affects because if they're doing things. So again, we have to discern, are they speaking truth? See, part of my thing is I've been to nations. Part of my, my calling has been governmental intercession. So I, I believe in praying for the harvest and people being saved. And I, I mean, we have to have that. I mean, that's kingdom. But sometimes God gives us different assignments, and one of mine has been governmental intercession. So I've been to D.C. many times. I've been to the United Nations many times. I've been in, in different places um, to pray state capitals and different things. But you have to know what God's calling you to do. But the reality is you have to know God cares about nations. You know, at the end of Matthew, when he said, uh, make disciples of the nations, it doesn't just say, that means ethnic, that means nations. It doesn't just say, we are to make disciples of people, but he says to disciple nations. So that's been part of where I see things a little bit for, for where I've been called. You know, there might be some of you younger ones in here sitting here. God might be calling you to be a senator or a governor or something, that's just as strong a calling of God as, as me being a missionary in Africa. I mean, you, you have to hear where God's calling you and what he's asking you. Some of you in business, some of you, wherever he's calling you, 
Those are just as important as Pastor Danny standing up here. It's being where God's asked you to be. And we know what? We need to be where God asks us to be in this coming year. So these are just some of the things I wanted to challenge you with. You know, it's interesting that um, my granddaughter was at the house this week, and we watched the movie The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And um, I, I have seen it several times in the past, but I used it as an opportunity for us to stop. We would stop and talk about Billy Graham. By the way, Billy Graham Association redid that a couple years ago, and there's really, I found it on YouTube, and it's free by the Billy Graham Association, The Hiding Place. So I use it as a really good tool for us to talk about, but of course it was impacting on me to watch it again. But, I, but one of the things, you know, they're in this prison camp, death camp, and they're there because they help the Jewish people. And Betsy Ten Boom, she is just, she's sharing Jesus. She's sharing the Lord. She's reading the Word in the middle of that death camp, in the middle of them being beaten, in the middle of everything she's sharing. And there's people that are mocking her in that death camp. Well, where is God? Why are you in here if God's here? And there's other people who are listening. But you know what? She just kept on. And there were some of them that started shifting. But one of the things she said, and then her sister later, because Corey, at a point, Corey Ten Boom was struggling. She started struggling about, she wanted, she being angry and hateful because of what the guards were doing. But at the end, you know, Betsy went home to be with the Lord, and when Corey was, Ten Boom was being released, one of the last ones out of that prison camp, she made a statement, and I went back online to find it. And she said, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. I thought, wow, Lord, they could say that. I've been in some pits. I've never been in one like that. You know, I've heard Pastor Danny's testimony, Psalm 40, and really that's my testimony and anybody else in here. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. And he brought me up out of a terrible, horrible, destructive pit. You know that word right there, he brought me up? It's the same word we just were looking about, calling Allah, come, Allah, come up. It's the same word. He brought us up. He brought us out of that place. And he set my feet on a rock, the rock Christ Jesus. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God. And many have seen it, and they fear and to come in awe of the Lord. That's everyone, everyone that's been brought up out of pit. You know, my pit wasn't maybe like Pastor Danny's or Callie's or, or Patty's or anyone else. My pit, but I was still in a pit. I was actually a pretty good kid growing up. I didn't get into things. If any of my friends were drinking, guess what? I was a designated driver. I made good grades in school. I, I really studied hard. I really pursued things. But you know why part of that was? I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to feel loved. It was, it was I, I felt like I had to be perfect to be loved. And, you know, and then one, one time years ago, 40 some, 45 years ago, I was at my house. I had two children. We had bought our first house. My husband had come back from 
serving and overseas in the service, and we bought our first house, had two children, and yet something in me, I had a hole in me. I went to church every Sunday, been raised in a denominational church. My father-in-law was a denominational pastor. We, we went to church, went to Sunday school, but I had a hole. I was still in a pit. didn't matter. It looked good, but it was a pit. And I, and I still had to call to the Lord. So whatever that pit is, you know, my pit's different, but we, it's all a pit until, you, until God takes us out and, and puts our feet and establishes us on the rock. So again, I just, again, that, what she described, it just so struck me. It reminded me, um, my pit's not like your pit, but it was a pit. Because there's some amazing testimonies in here. I've heard some of what people came out of, of abuse and addiction. Mine wasn't so much that. So yours may not be that either. But you know what? It's still a pit without Jesus. So there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. The one of the last things I really, I don't even know. I haven't been watching I see a little bit at the time, so I guess I have a little bit left. <laughs> um, is I wanted to say that in the midst of this coming year, we're already seeing so much darkness in the spiritual realm, in our nation, so many things happening. And so I wanted to encourage you, not for fear, but for a place to be prepared. And there's such darkness, but you know what? We're called to be the light. And I wanted to share in uh, John chapter 1, where Jesus, where it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. That means the darkness can't overcome it. That word in the Greek means it can't seize upon it, it can't grab it, it can't put it out. When you have Jesus, the light of the world, when he is, he is the light, he is the light of men, he is my light. But it says darkness, no matter what happens, darkness can't seize it. It can't put it out. It can't overcome it because we have light. And we are called in this season to be light. We're called in this season to shine like we've never shown because there's going to be so much darkness. We're already seeing that. You know, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Then in Matthew 5, verse 14, in part of 16, he says, um, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And then he goes on, he says, so let your light so shine before men. And then if you go to Isaiah 60, Verse 1 through 3, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. That's where he's calling us to be in this season. You know, I'm always careful to not try to take scripture out of context because when really when you read the original context, this is talking about Jerusalem. This is talking about Israel. But because as a Christian we're grafted in, 
that we've been born into that, that we can also lay hold of these scriptures and these prophetic promises for us individually as well as for Jerusalem. But I always love to acknowledge that this is a key scripture for Israel, but it's also a key scripture for us. So be prepared in this season. And, you know, if you're going to be a light, you know, in, in Leviticus 24... Uh, verses 1 through 4, it talks about the candlestick of the Lord. And it was an oil lamp. It was, a, it was built with oil. And, and the, the commandment is, go on to the next verse, please. He said, command the children of Israel they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lights, lamps burn continually. Well, guess what? Without oil, your lamp isn't going to burn. Now, we know oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not being filled and having the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, you're not, you know, we need oil. I think about the ten virgins in, in, the, in the book of Matthew. There was five foolish and five wise. And they had to wait because the, the bridegroom hadn't come yet. And the five wise had extra oil. They were prepared. The five foolish did not. And he showed up at a time they weren't expecting. You know the story. And the five wise went in, and then the door was closed. Guess what? There's a door. <laughs> We're talking about door and gates this year. There was a door that got closed. And the foolish came and said, let us in. And he said, this is what he said to them. I don't know you. Now, he didn't say, I never knew you. Because there is another place in Scripture when they're saying, we did all these wonderful works in your name, we cast out spirits, we heal people, and he'll say, he, he'll say, I'll say to him, I never knew you in that instant. Never had relationship. Did a lot of things in the name of the Lord, but he never knew them. <laughs> but when the virgins, he says, I don't know you. That means to me, we have to keep, that place of intimacy with the Lord. We have to keep pressing in, like it said in Psalm 24 about seeking his face. We keep pressing into him. We keep asking for oil. We keep moving toward that. In John chapter 20, Jesus appeared to them in the, uh, after the resurrection. And he said, um, peace, they were scared. And he says, first thing, and he comes, and he stood there, and the first thing he said to him was, peace be with you. In the Hebrew, that's shalom alechem. That means peace be upon you. Everything that shalom means. And he's said it to them twice. Everything that the word shalom means, wholeness, healing, provision, safety, he spoke to them, and you know what? He speaks that to us. And you know what? He, it was interesting. I have a Hebrew commentator as a Christian, and he said, Jesus didn't, could not speak that to him until he had made atonement, that he, until he had paid the price on the cross because he wanted all for them on the cross. He did it all for us on the cross. He made shalom, the perfect shalom. He did that by what he did, his sacrifice. That is the only way that we get that peace be to you, shalom. All that that's in, entailed. Then it says, he said to them, 
He showed them his hands and his feet. And then it says, he said to them again, peace. Shalom alechem to you. The Father has, has sent me, so I send you. And then he said, when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Guess what? <laughs> that was a moment, a divine moment of encounter. I don't know if I have, did I have the verse up there for um, Luke chapter 24? I don't know if I, if I gave that one to you or not. To, yes, there it is. And this is, this is the same thing. In Luke 24, Jesus appears to them. They're in the room. They're scared. This is his first encounter. And he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Okay, there's something different here going on because he says he just breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. But then he says, now you need more. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. That word power is dunamis. We have to have the dunamis power of God for where we're going. In Acts chapter 1, Verse 4 through 8, he says the same thing to them. He's commissioning them. He's saying, don't depart from Jerusalem. He said he commanded them not to depart, but to, to wait. He said, wait for the promise of the Father. And then he says, John baptized with water. Verse 5, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And I wanted to just challenge you this morning. What's, um, okay, I'm trying to watch on the screen. But here's the thing is where he said, you've got to have the dunamis power of the Lord. I believe where we're headed, and I'm not trying to put, I'm not putting fear, because I'm putting encouragement because God is calling us for a season and a time. We are here just like Esther. We are here for a season and a time. I could have been born anywhere else. You could have been born any other time. But you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It is going to be an amazing time. There's going to be such harvest. There's going to be people looking for answers. It's going to be our opportunity. But he says to be a witness, you have to have the power, the dunamis power of God working in your life. Do you know that the word witness in Acts chapter 1, where it talks about you'll be my witnesses, do you know that that word witness from the Greek, the original Greek, is from the word martyr? That means you, laid, you are willing to lay your life down to be a witness. You're willing to lay it all down, whatever it costs. That doesn't mean you have to be a martyr, that you have to be killed. But that word witness, he said, to be a witness, you need the dunamis power of God, and you need to be laying everything down, sold out, willing to, to give it all. You know, Revelation 12:11 says, how do we overcome? We overcome by the word of our testimony, the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our life unto the death. That's all in one verse. We skip that part. So where we're moving in this coming year, I believe God is saying, he's wanting us to say, get all that you can get. Get all of the oil. We talked about to keep the, the lamp burning, our lamps burning. We've got to have oil. When you move from here, 
needing the dunamis power of God, if you go to Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had just had a miracle, seen a miracle. They had, a man had walked, and they were threatened. And they were told, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Don't do anymore in the name of Jesus. Well, let me tell you, this nation, we're, we're there. They're telling us right now, shut up, don't say you're a Christian. Don't go into the school board and say you want to see Christian things. Don't, don't say I don't agree with transgenderism. I mean, we've been told to shut up. In Acts chapter 4, they were told the same thing. And they said, is it better to listen to you or to God? And so they warned them. Well, let me tell you, we've been warned. And they went back in Acts chapter 4, and this is what they said. Now look, Lord, look on their threats, and grant your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word. By stretching your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of the Holy Spirit, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who had believed were of one heart and one soul, neither did anyone say that of things they possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And... With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. They got filled at Pentecost, but guess what? They had to get filled again. <laughs> One time isn't enough. We have to keep staying before the Lord and asking him to be filled. There's another scripture in Ephesians. Uh, five, and it says, do not be drunk with the Spirit, which is in dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That word right there, filled in the Spirit, the tense of that is continually being filled. Continually being filled with the Spirit. And this year, I believe the Lord is saying, we need to really be attentive that we are continually asking to be filled. It comes from seeking his face daily. It's, it's coming from walking as he wants us to walk, but also saying, Lord, fill me today, continually asking to be filled. I want to share this last verse, and I'm not sure that I put on Psalm 92. Yes, I did. Okay, Psalm 92. For behold... Your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish, and the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. We need fresh oil, but I want to, this is, I'm not sure I gave them this in the Passion Translation. This is what it says. Your anointing has made me strong and mighty. You've empowered my life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over me. Do you want your life empowered for triumph? He wants to pour fresh oil over us. Not just you, me too. He wants to pour fresh oil over us. He wants to keep our lights burning. He wants us to be ready with supply. So I want to challenge you today. 
expect some spiritual encounters with the Lord. Expect that you will go into some new places you haven't been with him. I wrote this down for myself, for me, to have expectation for spiritual encounters beyond where I have been before. I don't want to just be satisfied with what I've known in the past of him. I don't want to just be satisfied with where I am. But I want to go past it. I want more of him. I want to live in more of him. And so I want to encourage you today. If you need some oil, ask him. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you need to ask him. I asked, actually asked Josiah if he would come up here and if any of you would like, and maybe even Miss uh, Betty and anyone else on the ministry team, but if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you need the power, the dunamis power of the Lord, you're going to need it. I'm just telling you, I'm challenging you. You're going to need it for what's coming. And then you know what? It's going to empower you to be the witness for those who need the light because they're going to be coming. There's some things that are going to be shaken, but you know what? Shaking has to happen. Sometimes shaking has to happen in our life before we'll come to the light, before we'll want the answer, before we want him. So don't be afraid of the shaking. So if you... you really have never encountered with the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then here's your opportunity. They can pray with you. Any of us can pray with you. And you know what? I was in my house by myself many years ago, 1977. I got down on my knees and I asked the Lord in my house, by my bed. I gave it all to him. And I said, but I want more. Give me more. Fill me with more. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you and I want to walk in all of the fullness that you have. I, I ask him, if you, you can come up. They can help you and pray with you. But, you know, God can meet you. If you have the hunger, he can meet you. I will say this, that when I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I really didn't. I was by myself, and I really know the Spirit of the Lord came on me. I mean, there was things that I just knew just changed. I went in and turned the TV on to watch an old soap opera, and I turned it on. I thought, yuck, I turned it back off. I mean, that was just one of the signs that God, something changed in my life. And, and there's other things like that, but you, know, but you know what? I didn't understand all of that. So what happened, even though he visited me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I really didn't understand about praying in tongues or prayer language or any of those things. So I ended up having, you know, have someone else pray with me and they were, they just kind of gave me some instruction and helped me, you know. So sometimes we need some instruction. It was like the Spirit of the Lord, I'm a very practical person. So he said, well, your mother-in-law gave you a sewing machine when you got married and it's sitting there. But you don't know how to use it. <laughs> I had to have somebody come teach me how to use it, you know. 